to go? All right. So good afternoon, everyone. Um, I am thrilled uh, to be here today to... Yesterday, Connecticut's treasurer, Eric Russell, stood up to a podium to make an announcement. Our first in the nation initiative to invest directly in Connecticut kids is closer to becoming a reality. Russell and state lawmakers had broken an impasse over a program that was designed to address entrenched poverty. And it's really a shot to help break the cycle of generational poverty for so many uh, who have lived in it. This program is known as Baby Bonds. Two years ago, the state passed a bill to invest cash in a trust for each child born into a low-income family. And when the child reaches 18, they can collect that investment. The idea is to provide financial footing to some of the state's poorest people. This is sending a resounding message that uh, your your future can be bright, regardless of what zip code you are born in. The idea behind Connecticut's program is one that's gaining traction around the country. Washington, D.C. and California have also approved baby bond programs, and at least eight other states are considering them, too. But in Connecticut, the path to actually funding the program has been a long one. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Wednesday, May 17th. Coming up on the show, the baby bonds program and the state trying to get it off the ground. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. The idea of baby bonds, of using an investment trust for low-income children, goes back a few years. So this idea was first envisioned by economist Derek Hamilton of the New School and William Darity of Duke University. That's our colleague Brenda Leon. And their idea is, what if children who come from poor families start off with money in their account before they're born? And the notion is to give them an opportunity to build wealth before they even start. Exactly. Is it like a 401k for babies? It's like a 401k for babies. In essence, the idea was for the government to create these trust fund accounts and seed them and continue to fund them throughout the child's life. Here's Derek Hamilton, one of those economists, talking about baby bonds at a TED Talk in 2018. Wealth is the paramount indicator of economic security and well-being. It provides financial agency, economic security to take risk and shield against loss. Hamilton says that since wealth gets passed down through generations, it stays in the hands of the few. Without wealth to pass down, poverty also becomes entrenched over generations. 
Without capital, inequality is locked in. We use words like choice, freedom, to describe the benefits of the market, but it is literally wealth that gives us choice, freedom, and optionality. According to the Pew Foundation, only 4% of poor Americans actually work their way to wealth. Most people who are born into the lowest income levels remain there for life. Programs like the one Hamilton envisions already exist in other places in the world. For example, Canadian children actually from low-income families are eligible for an education investment fund. Israeli children receive savings accounts regardless of income that goes towards education, home ownership, or a business. And the United Kingdom also allocated child trust accounts from 2002 to 2011, but then they switched to tax-free savings accounts. In the U.S., the idea got some support in 2008 from Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. But Brenda says it came back after George Floyd's murder in 2020. So after the summer of George Floyd, we see a lot of Democratic lawmakers proposing programs that would address racial inequality and racial problems across their states. And that brought into essence a wider conversation of who has access to resources and who doesn't. And one of the places that started looking into baby bonds was Connecticut. How would you describe the state of Connecticut? Ah, uh, Connecticut is a funny state. I think that it's a state where there is an abundance of wealth concentrated in some counties. And there is also pockets of the state that experience extreme poverty as well. In 2021, Connecticut State Treasurer Sean Wooden proposed a baby bonds program. He saw it as a way to fight the state's extreme poverty and racial wealth gap. It is so clear to, to everyone that we, as policy leaders, we need to do more. We need to meet the moment. Wooden saw baby bonds as a way to level the playing field. You're more focused on possibly going to college if you see a pathway, if there's a fund, you're more focused on one day owning a home, which some people in poverty never aspire to because they don't think it's ever achievable. What were some of the specifics of his proposal? So his proposal was to create an investment account per child. And at age 18, children who completed a financial literacy course would be able to use the money to start or invest in a Connecticut business, buy a home in the state, or pay for higher education, maybe even save for retirement. Families would be eligible for the program if they were on the state's public health insurance with a household income of around $65,000 or less. The total program was estimated to cost $600 million and wouldn't had a proposal for how to pay for it. Here he is in an interview on Yahoo Finance. How much are you expecting, if it does pass, how much are you expecting this baby bond program to cost? And where would the money come from to fund it? Sure. So the cost would be approximately $75 million a year. And this, uh, the funding would come from a combination of we have a budget surplus uh, this year in terms of seeding the program, um, and also uh, long-term uh, debt financing. Wooden's proposal got traction. 
And in the summer of 2021, Connecticut's state legislature passed the first baby bonds program in the country. And Governor Ned Lamont signed it into law. And this program gave hope to people like Shondell Van. Shondell lives in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and has a two-year-old daughter, Maria. At the moment, I currently don't um, have much income. I do have, you know, my own um, business where I create things, I make things, and that's how, you know, I, I keep my income coming in. Shondell has a business selling customized prints on T-shirts, backpacks, and tumblers. And she's also enrolled in an online business program at Norwalk Community College. Shondell spoke to Brenda in March. And so you go to school and you take care of your baby. And you, yes. And you sort of like run your own business. Yes. You must be exhausted all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is exhausting. It, it really is. How would you describe, you know, your day-to-day and, like, your financial stability looking forward? Um, my day-to-day, it's not perfect. Um, I get by. Like, you know, it's it's a little bit harder. I do, I do think about my future. I do think about what I want to do and the steps that I need to make to uh, make myself better in that instance to be able to be more financially stable and things like that. But as far as life goes, I do feel like I am stable, but like you're living in the moment. Like you're not really thinking of the future because you're trying to survive the now. How would a program like this help your daughter in the future? Or like, what is your take on like this whole idea of addressing generational wealth? I feel like the program would give her a little bit more of a leg up. Um, I mean, as her mother, 100%, I plan on, you know, making plans for her so that way she does not have to struggle in this in this life and things like that. But um, obviously something like that was just a little bit more of a leg up so that way she would be able to say she wanted to have a business just, just like me. Um, she would be able to fund that with no problem. Um, just anything that she wanted to do with that money to be able to just be a little bit more successful than she was or just be a little bit better off than she was, just better than nothing. But Connecticut's baby bond program stalled. What happened is next. This episode is brought to you by Volvo Cars. Distractions happen, but there are things that can help you stay focused, like the fully electric seven-seater Volvo EX90. It was made to help keep you and those around you on the road safe, with LiDAR technology that can see what you sometimes can't, and a two-camera driver understanding system designed to prevent distractions and help you stay focused. Visit volvocars.com US to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Voice API, you get comprehensive call analytics, virtual assistance, automated speech recognition, and text-to-speech benefits across multiple languages. Developers can add smart voice functionalities into your app, giving your customers an easier way to reach you. And you can start collecting real-time data to drive more meaningful engagement to move your business forward. Learn more at Vonage.com.
the Baby Bonds Initiative had become law in Connecticut. But there was a major obstacle. The state's Democratic governor, Ned Lamont, didn't want to pay for it through the proposed funding plan. Under that plan, the state would borrow money from investors through issuing bonds. And the governor said one of his main concerns was that the state couldn't take on that much debt. So the state would borrow money to pay for the program. Exactly. So his office said that the priority was to create programs that would benefit children now, that would create economic opportunities for families who are experiencing poverty now and not in the long run. And also, Connecticut was a state that was in in a lot of debt, and they have just improved their, their fiscal health. And that, according to the governor's office, was something that they needed to prioritize in order to keep debt low. Even though Governor Lamont signed the bill into law, he balked at funding the program. So lawmakers voted to delay it until this July. And at the start of the year, a new state treasurer took office, Eric Russell, and he continued to push for baby bonds. We're excited about the opportunities. I think we're really in a place for uh, us as a state to make some, some huge strides. In recent months, Connecticut lawmakers hashed out a new plan to get the funding for the program. That was announced yesterday. At a press conference yesterday, Governor Lamont acknowledged he'd had some reservations. I got to admit, I was a bit of a fly in the ointment, too. I was also asking some tough questions. And um, and I, I, I pushed Eric pretty hard. I, I did say, look, I don't want to do something that's going to Saddle taxpayers with $200 million in interest. I don't think that's the way to do it. So the governor's opposition to this program was funding it through the creation of bonds. And Eric Russell came in with a solution that would set aside funds that already existed. The funds come from savings the state's made after restructuring its finances in recent years. They deposited $381 million of budget surplus into a special reserve fund. So now what this uh, reserve account did was create an opportunity for Connecticut baby bonds. The tentative deal will allow Connecticut to deposit $3,200 in a trust for each baby born after July 1st, who is covered by the state's Medicaid program. The beneficiaries can withdraw the funds when they turn 18, as long as they're still Connecticut residents and take a financial literacy course. At 18, state officials estimate that beneficiaries will have $11,000 that they can use for specific purposes, like buying a house in Connecticut or starting a business in the state. About 15,000 Connecticut kids could qualify for the program each year. In a statement, Governor Lamont said the new plan will, quote, avoid excessive bonding costs, respect our financial guardrails, and ensure that we are not sacrificing programs that help people today. As for Shondell, the two-year delay means that her daughter won't qualify for the program. So many people are just financially struggling in the economy that we're in. And it's just like any little things, and especially for our children, 
helped in any kind of way. So it's just kind of, you know, disappointing that that won't be a reality. And now we're right back to the point where we got to figure out how to make sure our children is good in this type of economy that we're living in. So it's just saddening. What does this say about solving intergenerational poverty? We have a long way to go. Though there's conversations about intergenerational poverty happening across the country, there is still a long path to tackle in order for these programs to become a reality. And I think when it comes to closing the racial wealth gap, passing the bill is the easiest part, but it's truly about the money and getting the money to the people who need it the most. That's all for today, Wednesday, May 17th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.